This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. This week on Thursday, before I had my doctor's appointment to get the boot off, I had the three boys with me and uh, I decided to have a Mother's Day memory moment and I was going to bond with my kids and we were going to load up the kids. Now, if you have um, ever had three boys or you have three boys, you know what it means when I say we need to get the energy out. So what do we do? We loaded up the boys and when I say we, I meant me and we went to the park. Now, the park is a magical place. Uh, it's kind of a mysterious place, to be honest. And there's a lot that goes on at the park. So we get to the park, and I have high expectations. Anyone ever been there where you just think it is going to be the best day ever, and you're confessing that you're just going to have this beautiful moment? And we get to the park, and I un unload Winston, and unload Maverick, and grab Clive and the baby carrier, and he's sleeping. And I start by staking out the best place where I'm in the set. Well, I find a seat away from the other mom so I don't have to get in a conversation. I can do a few emails and get a few things done. You guys, I do love other people. Don't judge me. So we get to the park. I sit down. I put Clive over there. And instantly, my four-year-old has a need. Mom, Mom, come here. Can you lift me up on the monkey bars? Um, I want to do the monkey bars with you. Uh, is he codependent on us? Yes. Did I enable him? That's another story. So I go over to Needy Winston, and Independent Mav is running off this way. And, and um, there's a lot that goes on at the park. So uh, Winston's standing there waiting his turn because a dad right next to the monkey bars is doing his pull-ups. He's getting his exercise in. So, so weird dad here. Excuse me. Can you just scoot over so the four-year-old can enjoy the park? We're going to hoist him up. He's going to do the, the pull-ups. And um, I'm trying to keep a hawk eye on Mav and an eye on the baby. He's still sleeping. Check. No emails have been done. That's okay. And uh, we're nailing it. We're creating memories. Everything's going great. And uh, I see out of the corner of my eye uh, a mom uh, yelling and running to save and scoop up her son with all love and affection who's been in an altercation with my son, Maverick. So um, I don't know if I need to go over there and say, pound it, because you're the strong boy on the park, because he's a, he's a fighter, not a lover, you know what I mean? And... Um, or if I need to pretend like, you know, like we, we handle these type of altercations with control and with, um, with consequence and, and intentionality in these conversations. So I go over there and I, I put on my super mom hat and I smile at the lady. I say so sorry. I make Mav apologize for what he's done. And uh, I've got sand in my boot at this point and I've already solved one fight and um, the dad is still hanging on behind me and Clive's still asleep. So we've got like 75% going on. So... Uh, we solved the altercation. I walk over, back over to Clive because he starts to wake up. Now, as I do, I'm walking through the sand and I step over, no exaggeration, a potty chair because some people think that this is so appropriate to potty train their children in the middle of the park. And I'm talking, this potty chair is not dumped, if you know what I mean. Like, so the potty chair is right there. I'm stepping over it. I've got sand in my boot. The baby's starting to cry. I got to feed the baby. I'm trying 
trying to find Mav. He's lost, probably outside of the park because he's a runner. And um, I'm starting to notice that there's a lot of eyes on me from the other park moms, you know? And I'm like, I don't know if it's the Chick-fil-A bag that we brought in because that was our breakfast this morning. Don't judge me. We didn't have sauce in the bag, so we cut down on sugar. But, you know, they had their Rolodex and their travel suitcases of organic fresh produce with organized inserts. And they had, like tents and hats and sunblock and sun tents. Just kidding, not sun tents. That's not on Thursday. That's on Saturdays. But so I got all my kids sorted. I'm literally, this is no exaggeration. I'm running around, leaping over potty chairs, holding Clive, feeding Clive, trying to find Maverick, you know, like giving the ugly, angry eye mom to the dad to get down from the monkey bars. This is not appropriate. And we're just, you know, we're just keeping everything in control. And I'm throwing away the Chick-fil-A bags. People quit looking at me for our breakfast of choice. And I got all the boys. And then Winston turns to me and tells me the most horrific thing that you ever want to hear at the park. He says, Mom, I need to use the restroom. <laughs> Perfect, we got this. Okay, Maverick, where are you? Okay, found you, you're not fighting someone. Um, Winston, here we go, baby Clive, we're walking to the bathroom. Where's the bathroom? Of course, two miles away. Uh, we're walking, when I say walk, it's like Forrest Gump limping for me with sand coming out and I'm making it to the bathroom and Winston used the bathroom, I'm like, success, this is still a beautiful day, I'm making memories with my kids, I'm an awesome mom, yes you are, you are, you can do it, you know, just any moms out there, okay, this is real. You got this. You're, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay. And we get to the bathroom, and I turn around, and Maverick is licking the sink. I am sorry if this offends you, and um, I apologize. But if you've ever been to a park bathroom, you know that this is not okay. And in one moment, my beautiful memory with my children is ruined. And I said, that's it. We're going home. They're crying. No, we want to stay. I didn't even get to go on the swing in an underdoggy. And you're supposed to play with me, mom. I'm like, no, we're going in the car right now. What's my point? My point is that bad things happen to good people with boots and three children. Bad days happen, OK? Do I have a point? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But life does happen, right? Bad days do happen. And in the middle and in the midst of beautiful moments, things can turn so quickly. The reality is, is that joy is evasive and pain is inevitable. And we live in a culture and a climate where there is pain around us, where we live in a day where every day and every time we turn on the news, something else is happening or suffering is taking place and there's wars and rumors of wars and life is painful, to be honest. It is painful to live today. But Jesus comes into the scene and he begins to discuss what grief is and discuss what sorrow is and that we're going to have it, that there's a reality that the disciples are going to feel this. But in order to feel this, we have to have a realization that there's a transformation that's going to take place in the access of Jesus himself. So... So what is joy? The joy definition is a feeling or a state of well-being or contentment. 
He talks in the last place about, in the last verse about how our joy is going to be filled. We've got angel confetti coming from the sky here. Our joy is going to be filled and we're going to live a content life. And we just have to simply ask and simply receive. And under definitions, when we read the definition, it gives an example. And in the dictionary, I read it, it says, when I say the dictionary, I meant the Google. It says, <laughs> it says her joy is complete when she got her first home. Isn't that so fitting that the world defines our joy by monetary value? What is completing our joy today? What is the source of contentment? What is completing the thing that allows us to choose joy, to journey with joy, to have access with joy? Are we choosing the thing that just gives us the, the contentment for the moment? Or are we choosing the thing that literally completes our joy? You know, Jesus came to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when he discusses that he's going to come again, he is referring to the helper of the Holy Spirit. That we're not only going to have access to him, but we're going to have access to the spirit that he gives us so that it might reside in us so that joy can be within us. And in this passage, they begin to argue, what is a little while? And they question back and forth. And Jesus, in all his love and compassion, takes time with the disciples to try and define what a little while is to them. They keep saying, when, when God, doesn't that sound familiar? That we're saying, when will my miracle come? Or when will my healing come? Or when will my husband come or my wife come? Or when will I receive this promotion? Or when will the dreams that you've put in my heart come to fruition? When God, what is the definition of a little while? You know, time is referenced in the Bible many times. And in 2 Peter 3, 8, it says, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. You know, there's divine perspective that takes place in understanding what God's timeline is. Can I tell you just to trust in his timeline? Trust that he knows. Trust that he's in control. Trust that he's in the driver's seat. On Friday, we went to the mall because it's Mother's Day week, not just day, you know. And Chad said, are you sure you want to go to the mall? Why don't I take the kids and you go to the mall? I'm like, nope, we're going to the mall together. And he's like, are you sure? Yep, that's what I said. So we're doing this. So we're getting the mall and he's driving and I'm in the passenger seat. Now in 10 years of marriage, uh, I've learned a little bit about how to be a passenger when Chad is driving on the Los Angeles freeways. Um, He's a great driver. I do trust him, and um, but it is a little bit fast, somewhat illegal. Yes, I am saying that in the microphone, but um, I gasp a little bit. Does it frustrate him? Does he respond in a kind and gracious and fruits of the spirit type way? That We're not talking about that right now. But I dramatically gasp. I have an issue. My name is Julia. I'm a gasper, okay? So... So sometimes it's like, ah, 
you know, just, and we almost get in an accident because I'm being dramatic, but I've learned a little bit that, um, you know, I, I do it with refrain, but I'm trying to get the signal sent at the same time, you know what I mean? So, so I'm like, you know, like, Nia, grab, grab the thing. I, I mean, I really am f- really feeling anxiety. Like, it's our life and our babies are at stake here. But, um, but he is driving and he's reminding me not to freak out and that he's in control and that he's got the, the he said, that's right. Amen. I'm not even looking at you. I haven't looked at you one time today. And um, not that I don't love you, but I got to stay focused, you know. Because if you do this, you know, that means I'm not supposed to be saying that, you know? <laughs> so, okay, we're here. We're just going to blow your kiss. Flip my hair. I'm a cool mom. Okay. So, so we're driving, and I'm gasping and gripping and all that, and uh, we finally get to our destination <laughs> safely, and everyone is alive and intact. Hallelujah. Glory. And uh, can I just tell you here today that sometimes as passengers, it is that scary. We feel like in the drive of life that when Jesus is driving, it's scary to trust in the unknown. It's scary to put our faith in someone who else is driving. It's easier to drive because you're driving, you're in control, you're making the turns, but to have trust in his timing and that he does make everything beautiful in his timing, not our timing, that he's, that we're going to make it, that we're going to get there, and that we don't have to fear for our lives, that he does care for us and our well-being. And I know that you do too, babe. I love you. And you, I just think you need to put your phone down, but that's okay. Um, In Isaiah 55, 9, it says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Our thoughts can be a little bit overwhelming. They can steer us the wrong way. I don't know about you, but I don't trust my thoughts sometimes. When Georgia was diagnosed at four months, six years ago, the doctor, in his untactful and uh, uncompassionate way, explained the prognosis after the diagnosis. He explained time to us for her life, what a timetable looked like. And to be a first-time mom and to sit there and listen to what life expectancy looks like is pretty daunting and pretty overwhelming to hear. And I went home that day and I had to process what time looked like. And I just felt this need, like the disciples, that when I'm experiencing pain, God, could you just show me what the finish line is. Could you just show me what the end of the course looks like? Because if I could just see it, then I could get there. And I could brace myself. I could pace myself. Hello? I could understand where I'm going. But he doesn't always reveal when the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. 
He doesn't reveal because in time there is divine perspective. And these scriptures are allowing us to see that he's not only in control, but that it's his thoughts, that it's his ways, that it's his time, that it's his doing. And that he didn't create pain, but he is the creator of the healing process. So in my unknown... In my unknown, I have to allow his power and his divinity and his graciousness and his compassion to be divine and to be known and to take place to reside in that space. Trusting is difficult. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not your mind, but all your heart. So we not only lean on the understanding of God, but we shift our heart to the unknown. Can we just lean into him with all of us today? Not only our mind, but also our heart, also our spirit to trust that he's in the driver's seat. Amen. He goes on and he says, Jesus saw their need. He saw specifically what they needed. You know, we talk about that I don't get up here very often to share, um, but when I do, I see things differently than Chad does. I see with the mother's eyes, and I see this scripture may be different than some people do. And the thing that touched me as I was preparing and as I was reading this was the deep compassion of our Lord, that Jesus would see specifically the need of the disciples. Can I tell you that today he sees the specific need of where you're at? He sees where you're headed. He sees where you're going. He sees where you've been. He sees that you need to put that past behind you, but he sees the need that's in front of you today. There's beauty in the mess, amen? There's beauty in it. There's beauty in a park filled, filled with unsafe mothers and parents and Chick-fil-A bags and toilets in the middle of the sand. There's beauty in our everyday lives. There really is. There's beauty in our seasons that seem like they'll never end. And there's a process that we're going through. And there's a process from death to life. And there's a process from grief to joy. But a lot of us live in the middle of pain and promise. But in the middle, there is process. And in the middle of pain and promise, there's potential. There's potential to see that God is working on your behalf. There's potential to see that he's using you to do things beyond what you could even see in yourself. You know, my grandma is a real-life um, she was, she passed away, but she was a real-life hoarder. I loved my grandma, but every Saturday at 6.30 a.m., she went garage sailing, and she collected a lot of stuff, and it came home, and she thought it was magnificent, and I thought otherwise. And um, have you ever heard of dumpster diving? Yep, she did that quite a bit, too. She'd bring home trinkets and trash and garbage and collection of clowns and collection of papers, and I don't even know what it was, but she thought it was unbelievable, and she thought, have you ever heard the expression, one man's trash is another man's, that, yeah, and uh, she thought the garbage that she was collecting was a treasure, and um, 
you know, we would, we would laugh at grandma, but she really did believe that there was treasure in it. And I think today that we have to see that sometimes when it seems messy or when it seems trashy or when it seems like kind of a throwaway or a garbage moment, that there's beauty in it, that there's beautiful moments to behold in day by day. In Philippians 4.4, Paul is imprisoned for the first time. We've known that he's faced great suffering, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice, and then again I say rejoice. James 1.2, we know this verse. I dislike this verse. It says, Consider it pure joy to experience trials of many kind and to experience sorrow. I do not consider it joy. You want to know what I want to do? I want to put on my cozy extra large sweatpants that I found from Chad's closet because that's real relaxation when you use your spouse's sweatpants. I want to emotionally eat. Any of my fat kids out there said amen. I want to curl up in a ball and I want to get everyone in on my pity party. This is really what I want to do. I don't want to consider this joy, but we have to choose joy. And then what Paul is saying is rejoice. What is re? It's a prefix to go back and again. Return, remember, rejoice, come back to me again. Come back again and again and again to remember that I am the joy. So what am I doing when I have a bad day and I'm pulling all the kids out of the bathroom and saying I'm quit? I have to exercise the joy that God's given me access to to remember that today is going to be okay, right? I'm just talking practically here. We just need, what I mean, if I just didn't get into this deep theology and today I just told you to exercise this one thing, leave and just rejoice, just remember, just return to joy, just re, re, re. If we just exercise as, that, as our homework, could we just fathom what we would do and how we would live in the walls out here? It's so simple, but so hard because pain is gripping sometimes and pain can overtake. And I love this analogy in the scripture is that he's not saying that Pain and grief is going to fizzle out and joy is going to fizzle in and you're going to live in the 50-50. He's talking about sorrow that invades our space. He's talking about pain that actually takes over who we are. And then he says, he uses the word turn into. And I love this so much. The Jesus is not coming to weed out or fade out. He's coming to literally turn your grief into joy. He's talking about transforming your pain and your sorrow into a life of fullness and abundant and amazing things. Can I just tell you here today to embrace the becoming process? Embrace it. In that middle, in between the pain and the promise, is that becoming, is that transformation. You know, what happens 
when something invades. It takes over. It does take over. You know, um, I went to the doctor this week to get my boot off, and she prescribed me physical therapy, and um, she wrote on a prescription sheet, like, what the action plan, and I asked her, I said, should I listen to the pain? Should I push through the pain? Should I work through the pain? Like, what do you think I should do in my physical therapy? And she said, well, they're actually going to start with balance. You're going to start with strengthening your core and starting with balance. You're not even going to begin with the injury itself. And I thought it was so interesting. And she began to explain that when you have a severe injury or a place where great pain invaded, that it sent signals and mechanisms into your brain that the nervous system and the nerves begin to communicate to the rest of the body not to function properly anymore. So what she's saying, she's saying that I don't want you to injure anything else. I don't want you to hurt your back or your hips or the right leg or the right arm. I want you to get the center and the core of who you are balanced and strengthened properly so that when you come back, you come back stronger and more balanced and more complete than ever. Do you get where I'm going here today? Can I just tell you, if we start limping through life and try to run on an injured leg or an injured soul or an injured person, or an injured being, we can injure something else without even realizing it. We have to get the core of who we are, the center complete and filled with joy so that out of the overflow, we can be stronger and strengthened and be able to be who we're called to be. Amen? Amen. Embrace the becoming process. You know, a lot of us want it today. We want the quick fix, the joy today. If I could just get my house, I'm going to be happy. If I can just get this much in my bank account, I can be happy. If I can just get married, I can be happy. Hello. Let me just preach to you today that marriage does not complete you or make you happy. It only exposes who you need to become that is separate. But listen, placement. You know, the place in the middle is the preparation, but it's a preparation of a beautiful tomorrow that he has in store. So he, I can invite the keyboard player to come up as we prepare for the last point. He goes on and he uses the analogy of the woman giving birth. I know how painful that can be. And I don't know what pain that you are experiencing here today or what pain that you have faced, that you're still healing from. But can I just tell you to forgive and forget? He uses the word forget. She forgets the most excruciating pain possible that they use the example of childbirth because the life that is at the other side is so wonderful and so beautiful. You know, Jesus is about to experience great pain. But out of that, in the resurrection, comes life. And he's giving us access to life through the example of something relatable. Maybe you're here and you're in the midst of pain. 
can I tell you it's easier said than done, but can I just encourage you and ask you and beg of you to forgive? Forgive and forget the scars of yesterday so it does not limit you of the beautiful promises that Jesus has for you in your tomorrows. So he says that she forgets it. And then at the end it says, ask, receive, and live it. Once we have that joy, once joy has invaded our place, can we flaunt it? It sounds silly, but joy looks good on us. Joy looks good on us in here. Joy looks good on us out there. Joy looks good in our homes. Joy looks good in our businesses. Joy looks good in the midst of what seems horrific. Joy is a gift, a gift that He's giving us. And in 1 Peter 5, 7, actually I wanna start with verse six. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time and cast all your anxiety and in a lot of transition translations it says cares on him because he cares for you. And in all of his great compassion and all of his love, his explanation to the disciples is simply that he cares for you and that he loves you enough to give you this gift. And what do we have to do? What is the first word in verse six? Can you put that back up? It says, humble yourselves. We simply have to get out of the way, out of the driver's seat, get I out of the equation and allow Him, our pride to be down and allow Him and His great love and His great gift to insert and invade the spaces where only He can do it. Last verse, Hebrews 12, one through two, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Can I tell you that Jesus came to earth and became man and was able to finish the work of the cross so that we can live with joy so that he might become joy so we can have access to the father and access to the joy just because it's the end of a painful season does not mean that it's the death of your destiny. There is life on the other side. There is life that we get to give and get to receive today. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.